On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are joined by Annette Hom from CHCH's Morning Live. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hamilton's COVID memorial wall. Martin Bashir, the report into the interview with Princess Diana and what this is all about that's now come out. Uh, CHCH's new building. Olympics. And even neighbors with unkempt lawns. Are we sympathetic or angry? One of us, Annette or I, have no tolerance for this. We'll let you figure out and listen and find out who is the intolerant one to neighbors with bad lawns. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Annette Hom, host of the morning show on CHCH. Annette, that was the, we, we couldn't find a song that just said CHCH, so we, that was the closest we could come. <laughs> that, that's good. I like that song. <laughs> and yep. we are in for some changes at CHCH. Well, we're going to talk about that later in the show. Absolutely. I saw some stuff on social media that I want to get into with you about that. Uh, but first, have you, I want to ask you something because, uh, and I told you earlier, so you know where I'm going with this, but the people don't. Uh, have you had your dose of uh, vaccine yet? I've had my first shot. I had it uh, the middle of last month. All right. So uh, my wife and I, now I wasn't even going to talk about this because I have been on the record being sarcastic and cynical about all the people posting photos of themselves, the, the vaxies as people are calling them nonetheless. So I wasn't going to mention it, but I had our appointment today. My wife and I raced out just before the show and Annette, we got there. We waited in line for a good long time. We got up to the desk to sign ourselves in and go through all the things. And they said, Oh, what time is your appointment? And we told them, I said, four fifteen. And they looked and they looked and they looked and they said, sorry, which day? And I looked at my, my reservation and it said May 28. Oh. I was only <laughs> off by a week. <laughs> so is that where you're calling from? <laughs> I, I almost did. Yes, I almost did. But yes, I, you know, the, the giant moron alarm started going off and the red light above my head flashing of the, the, here's the idiot who can't keep track of the days. And you want to know why? And this is, there's so many people, I think, who are trying r- to get it so frantically. Now, I went online when I heard of the opening where you could get this and clicked in and it was for Friday. It was for today. But by the time I was able to click on one, it seemed they had disappeared, but then all of a sudden they were back. And I realized what happened now is they had gone for Friday, the 21st. And then I didn't even look at the day. I saw Friday and it was for next Friday. That's how fast oh. people apparently are trying to get these things. Mm-hmm. Now, which shot did you, did you end up getting one? Oh no, 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 no. We just went for a nice drive in the country. Uh, <laughs> <it was. laughs> well, you'll know where to go next time. Like for next Friday, you'll be good. You know what, though, Annette, this is what drives me nuts about this is with my job, especially at the paper, because, you know, I'm writing stuff. I am paranoid and anal retentive about checking and double checking. If I have, if I include a phone number in a call of my right, I make sure the phone number is right. I don't just put it down or an email address or a web page or whatever. And this, I never looked twice at my reservation. I just saw that I got one. And I went, oh, okay, Friday. It's it's so opposite of me. And of course, it blows up in my face the one time I don't do it. <laughs> anyway, so I remain subject to all the whims of COVID. I am not protected. And, and now I'm back in the house thinking all those people I was around who clearly did not have their shot yet because they were waiting could have all given me COVID by now. But you were wearing a mask and you were distancing and 
Oh yeah, right? but yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, it's 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 it, again. It would be my kind of Murphy's Law luck that the time that I leave my house because I rarely leave the house anymore because I'm either working or just sitting in the porch. I mean, I just. I, I, I never leave the house. So the time I leave to go to the wrong day for the wrong appointment would be the day somebody who had it would be near me and downwind or upwind and blowing it on me. Anyway, that's my day. How's your day going? Uh, it was much better. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be. It had to be. Although you've been up as we talk every time you come on and we love it that you come on every time, but you've been up since two o'clock. Now you may have had a nap, but you've, you've been I up since... Before the roosters crowed. Yeah, you've been up since before the rooster crowed this morning and you're still going. I still don't know how you do that. I'm, uh, I am forever impressed. You know, I am such a, that's all it is. Well, yeah, I know you, you say that every time, but I've tried, I've tried and I just, my, my, what is it? Circadian rhythm or whatever, or, you know, I just, for years, not well, for months and months and months, a few years ago, I started going to the gym every morning at six o'clock. And I said, eventually, my body will get used to this. And I will sort of morph my way into being a morning gym person. Uh, and then after about three months of that, every single day, uh, my body finally won and made it clear, my body does not like doing any of those things at six o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's interesting so, because they say it usually takes like 28 days for a habit to form. And, but if you did like three rounds of 28 days, wow, that's, that's, it's I not about a habit want to do early morning exercise. No, it's not a habit. Like I was willing to do the habit part. It was biological. My, my guts rebelled every single day. And finally I said, I don't think this is what exercise is supposed to be. <laughs> so, you know. So I decided to go back to no exercise at all, which is another option altogether too. So anyway, lots going on this week. We're not all, we're not just going to be talking about Annette. Well, mostly my idiocy. Annette's not an idiot. Annette never, never, Annette never does anything idiotic. And that's why we have her on here. Oh, she really? is the voice of sober, <laughs> seasoned maturity on this show. That's why we bring her here. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This week, a city council voted uh, to put into play what they're calling a virtual COVID memorial wall. Um, and, and essentially on the city's website, there will be a, a memorial to people who from the city who have succumbed to COVID or who have died with COVID as part of the story, I guess, is the best way to describe it. What do you think about the idea of doing something like this? like this idea and and I believe it was Councillor Brad Clark who first yep. introduced it earlier it this was. year. Yeah. Um because so often like we just talk in the media about numbers, right? Like how many people died today and and this puts a face and a name and a story to everybody. And I agree with that and I'm not, you know, like I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here and I'm not opposed to the idea. My question when this was proposed and is, should it be broader than just COVID? Because it almost leads to the suggestion that if you died of COVID, somehow it was more tragic than if you died of a car accident or died of cancer or died of something else. And I, and, and I have a hard time with that. I, I think it's so more of a collective thing, like, um, because everybody is dealing with this right now. And I, I think it also too shows how serious the pandemic is that yes 
this many people, is it 376, I think, earlier this week, was the total number in, in Hamilton when they first announced that that's how many people in the city had died of COVID uh, since the pandemic began. And, and I think it's very fitting because you look, we have, we have other memorials or mass graves or um, in, like in the cemeteries, um, you know, for, for cholera and, and for the Spanish flu. So I, I think this is like a, a, fitting, a fitting tribute. Would you, now one of the things that was thrown out there as an idea at one point in this discussion was this is going to be online right now, again, through the city's website. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that it's up already. I believe that they debated this and discussed this on Wednesday and on Thursday it went live. They already had it ready to go. Now for anyone who goes and looks, uh, and I, you know, I, I should have today, I was stuck in line waiting for my COVID shot that I had the wrong date for. So I didn't, but I under, I'm assuming it's easy to find and not everybody is going to be on there yet. I assume because this is voluntary and you have to, if you had a family member who falls into this category, you have to give the go ahead to do it. So I assume it's going to be a growing thing, but would you, they, they talked about the idea of maybe doing something as a permanent, a, a physical memorial of some kind. Would you be for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And whether it's a, a statue of some kind or a memorial in, in, say, Gore Park. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I found really interesting on the, now, and again, I don't know the number here, but on the, um, when city council was de debating this and the report that came in front of council, and I don't know what to take from this, Annette, and, and so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. At the time of this writing, it says there were 360 deaths. You said it's now 376, but at the time of I, writing, I there were 300... 376, yeah. Okay. The, it says at the time of writing, there were 360 deaths, and they've got two asterisks beside there. And then if you look at the small print down below, it says, this measure refers to the number of COVID cases who died. Deaths are included whether or not COVID-19 was determined to be a contributing or underlying cause of death. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's an interesting little thing in there because what that's saying then is, well, people of those numbers, some of them may have had COVID, but it didn't kill them, maybe, or we don't really know. And, and, and like, again, I, I found that, I don't know that that means they don't, shouldn't be involved in a memorial. I'm not suggesting that one. If you had it, I guess you qualify, but it's a really interesting one too, because if you, again, if you die of cancer or died in the war, we know what you died of for sure. And this one, it's sort of, they're, they're writing it as if there's gray area here about whether or not those numbers are really all what we think they are. Hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I'm actually, I'm on the city's website right now. So it looks like it's just the form is available right now. It's not the, um, I, I'm not seeing any stories or any in memories of right now. It's just, um, it just kind of explains the rules and it's the form. Yeah. And in. the mayor said, the mayor was very clear that this is voluntary. And so families will be able to decide mm -hmm. if they want their loved ones on there. I mean, some people may not, some people may, for whatever reason, think that's not something they, they really want. I, you know, I, I again, I, I'm not opposed to the idea. Although as I thought about it, I thought, you know, what about the idea of just, we have in the city, if you go to different funeral homes, you can find a list of people who have been buried, not buried there, but have had their funerals there or whatever else. I almost wonder about a city registry of people who have gone where you can go in and look and find about you that if you want to have your name as someone who's deceased. So Annette Holmes, 
I don't know, relative, distant relative or grandparent or whatever, they pass away and you can now put them on the Hamilton registry so people could go and look that up. I, I think this is on to a good idea. Um, you know, and, and maybe COVID is, maybe COVID is a great enough reason to do this because you're right. We've all been part of this. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm, it's I, interesting though, because I, so I always read the obits in the spec, um, cause yeah. I find obituaries fascinating. Um, but, and, and there seems to me that there is a lot of, there are a lot of obits in the, in the paper right now, but you very rarely see where COVID is listed as a cause of death. Um, so I, I don't know whether it's just me now maybe looking a little bit more closely, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting to see, just to read the different stories of, of people and how COVID affected families. And I think it's a very good idea. Do you think, and we got to run, but I don't think this, but do you think there's any, do you think anybody feels any shame if COVID was their cause of death? I, I don't think so. Why would you? I don't, I don't see, I don't see why you would. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why you would. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I don't know if everybody knows this. I assume almost everybody in the greater Hamilton region knows this. But there is no bigger fan of all things Disney than my guest this evening. Annette Holm not only knows every Disney song and can probably sing it backwards, but she could take you. She knows Disney parks better than the tour guides there know Disney parks. And no, it's, I'm not it's lying. My husband, Daniel. Well, yeah, <laughs> both of you. Well, let me ask you about this. And, and we're getting into something with this because there was um, reports this week, stories this week, that Disney World has changed its policy now. It's pulling back and in great part, anywhere outdoors now, you do not have to wear a mask at Disney World. Things are getting much, much, much closer to normal down there. And Annette, the reason I bring this one up is, I mean, Disney World is, a, is obviously close to your heart, but I, we had Paul Johnson, the head of the Emergency Operations Center on the show last night, and I asked him this, and I want to ask you, I think that the more we see down in the States, people going to baseball games and having full stadiums and full hockey arenas and people behaving normally at Disney World and other places, it is going to get more and more and more difficult to convince people up here to stick with what they're telling us to do. I think it's going to become very difficult very soon as we see life almost normal south of the border and here them telling us to still remain cautious and locked down and doing all these things. But don't you don't you see pictures? Uh, like I forget which hockey arena it was in, where they had a full they had full capacity for one of the playoff games. I was like, it made me nervous. It made my gut go. Ugh. I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah, except they are, and and you know, and I and that kind of goes to my point. I mean, back a month and a bit ago, the Texas Rangers opened their season at home against the Blue Jays, and they threw open the gates and had a full park. And everyone said, oh my goodness, we're going to have just this, this overwhelming number of cases in Dallas because of the idiots who all went to the, and the numbers went down two or two, three weeks later in Dallas. It didn't turn into a super spreader event. And again, yeah, I, look, I'm not. To, the, the people that came to that game, did they have to uh, show proof that they'd have at least one shot? No, they had to wear a mask. They okay. had to wear a mask. But if you looked through photos of that game, 
Um, within about five minutes, most of the masks appeared to be off because everyone was drinking yeah. beer and eating hot dogs. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, that didn't stick. But again, I just look at it and I think it's w- when we don't have anybody at hockey games and that's we're, no one's going to overrule that. You can't force your way into the, we're not going to go show up with pitchforks and torches at the Scotiabank Center and, and try to get into a Leaf game. But, you know, telling people don't do this, don't do that, don't get together with your family. I, I, I think it's going to become way more difficult the more images we see of the states with their numbers going down and us apparently now passing them as far as percentages of people who have had at least one dose of the vaccine. So they say, um, boy, I, I just think it's going to become more and more difficult to convince people that they just should not go back to normal. Although you look at other things that they do in America that we don't do every day, right? With the yeah, gun situation and yeah. it's like, well, it doesn't mean that we're running around with them. So, no, that's true. And, and I'm not, I'm not being a COVID denier or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think most people are going to be a COVID denier, but I think there are going to be a lot of people who become COVID questioners about, well, wait, if it seems to be, once we got the vaccines, if it seems to be working there, why not here? Like I, I say, all I'm saying is I, I, I expect that you, you look into your neighbor's backyard in the next couple of weeks, three weeks, I think you're going to see a lot more than five people in a lot of neighbors' backyards and people are just going to say, you know, I think we're past it. Could be, could be, but I I don't see it. Like I I look at what's happening south of the border and I still think, okay, our, our border is closed. It's, it's a different situation. Why, what do you think is the different situation? It's just um, like, so I don't know. I, I think our mindset is a little bit different. I, I don't see people wanting to go and, and sit in a crowded stadium right now or wanting to go to, like, yeah, it would be great to go to Wonderland right now, but would you really feel comfortable in a crowd? That, see, now that's a great question. Uh, that is a really terrific question. If Even if the gates were thrown open, let's say Rogers Center was thrown open, the Blue Jays came back and played here instead of Buffalo and you could go to a Jays game and they said, we're not holding any seats back. It, uh, do you think they would sell out? I think they, well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if they sell out anyway, but as, you know, assuming that there was the interest, uh, I, I'm not sure you wouldn't sell out right now. And Wonderland, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think a lot of people would be at Wonderland like tomorrow if they said every, you can go and it's full capacity. I think I think people would go. I don't think we would. We're that nervous still, you think? That would, but I, I, I don't think we would get the crowds that, yeah, because it's just, I don't know, or maybe it's just me. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like, ooh, like, because we're, we're planning to go to Disney in the fall. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, would, I would still be happy wearing a mask, I think. <laughs> there are things that I really do think are going to take a long time to come back. And I don't know, you and, may, you and I may disagree on the crowds. I think that things like, shaking hands which was so just natural yeah. is still going to be one of those things i don't know when that's going to come back it will it will but uh, there will still be people who are creeped out by that and someone in a close you know if you're in line at a costco or something and someone sneezes that that's still there are people who still get cranky about that and they will for a long time i think yeah. or, cough. or even somebody that comes up like too close to you right and and maybe yeah they've got the mask but it's like the mask isn't all the way on or they pull it down to talk to you it's like no 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 you back away and 
Yeah. Yeah. Or what if, I mean, Annette, if someone that you knew really well, we're not talking about someone doing something inappropriate. If someone who was a really good friend of yours came up now to give you a hug, would you be comfortable with that? Assuming this was someone you would have hugged before all of COVID everything, is this, would you be okay with that? Or would you still sort of pull back and get a little stiff? See, you asked me that. I ran into a friend of mine. Oh, it was before Christmas, I think. And I hadn't seen her in ages. And I auto—I didn't even think about it. I automatically hugged her. And I thought, oh, what have I done? You know, but it was just this reflex. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. It's a really it's a really tricky one, and the, and the things like that are the things that are going to for sure I think take a while to come back. Before not for everybody, but mm-hmm. for some people, and 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 the tricky part is going to be knowing who, you know, you stick out your hand to shake someone's hand, and they don't shake your hand. Are they being rude, or are they just not comfortable? And you know what, we've got a whole new little body language interpretation thing we're going to have to be dealing with coming up. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I'm assuming, as someone who is a broadcast journalist, that the story about Martin Bashir and the Princess Diana interview from 1995 and the investigation that has just been released, the final report, uh, may have caught your eye, correct? Uh, Yeah, and it's horrifying. Well, it is. And so for those who don't know, I think everybody of anyone who's what, 1995, so we're talking, you know, 25, 26 years ago. So if you were under, if you're 40, you know what we're talking about because you probably watched it. It was an interview with Princess Diana and it was, it was, how do you describe it? It was really her, at her most unguarded ever. Would that be a fair description? Yes. And it was the first time that um, a royal had kind of like broken that I don't know, that guard, right? And and, mm. and talked to one-on-one and talked about personal things. That's the one where she mentioned that there were three people in their marriage. And yeah, it, it won a, I didn't know this. It won a BAFTA the next year, that interview. Yeah, it, it was Harry and Megan and Megan before Harry and Megan. Oh, uh, slightly different then, yeah. scenario, but yeah. But it was, yeah. it was, you're right. It's the first time someone really threw the curtains of, Buckingham Palace back and let the light in and let everyone see what was going on. And what this report found is that Martin Bashir, who, as you say, was an award-winning journalist, had um, used fake documents and false pretenses to arrange this interview and make Diana think that stuff was going on. So she had to defend herself, but it wasn't really happening. And you say it's horrifying. And look, I, I think... I, I think anyone in our business, whether it's broadcast, print, radio, whatever, would agree with you. I think everybody would say you can't you can't do something underhanded and like blatantly lying to try and get an interview. Right, um, and it, it was the way it was done, and and it was almost like making her fearful for her life is why she was convinced because Bashir went to Diana's brother. Earl Spencer, mm-hmm. and showed him these falsified bank documents that showed that she was under a private surveillance from the royal family. And and she was horrified by that. And, and then that's when she got angry and decided, okay, I'm going to speak out about what's going on here. The irony of this is that, so the documents were falsified, whether or not the royal family has ever had security following people, maybe they have, maybe they haven't, but a lot of people now believe it based on the falsified documents and a lot of other things that have gone on. Mm-hmm. But, but 
the question is, you know, we have a lot of people right now reading the story because the BBC now has, it was, actually it was an independent investigation, I guess, of the BBC's looking into this. It's an investigation of the investigation of the interview. And a lot of people outraged and rightly so. But you know what? At the same time, I can't help feeling there's a little bit of hypocrisy here because I think if you were to inject people with sodium pentothal and hook them up to a lie detector machine and say, yeah, but ultimately were you happy that you got that interview and saw that interview, even though it took some improper behavior to get it? I think an awful lot of people, Annette would say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I saw that interview. I'm glad he got it. I just, you know, now I have to say it's wrong, but it's a really tricky one because I think if you did the same thing to you, if the the great you did the same thing today and landed an interview and got that kind of revelation, I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I hate that, but I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, right. too, like, because, so, I guess one of the things in this investigation that was presented was a letter from Diana herself saying that she had no regrets about, now, whether she knew at that, well, I guess, or whether she had any inkling as to, you know, were those documents real or not? I don't know. Yeah, I, I as I say, the, the, the tricky part to me is that we have a media landscape, and we're part of it, I understand that, but we have a media landscape that absolutely rewards ratings, and people want this kind of stuff. People wanted the Megan and Harry interview, and yet at the same time, there are parts of things that we say, oh, well, that's disgusting what they did to get that. Yeah, but you watched and you wanted to watch that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a yes, you, you want it, but you don't want it. And you can't have those two things work at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Martin Bashir made his career. Well, he was reasonably, well, he was sort of well-known before then, but this really made his career. Mm-hmm. You know, in a big way, he became a big star. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it really, to me, as I read this, it really raises questions about what are truly not being pious. What are really, what are the rules of engagement when it comes to landing a big interview? And I'd love to know what a lot of the big networks would say about that, because I bet you they may say one thing, but kind of turn a blind eye, truly, if it was meaning getting that big interview. And, And you wonder how many get paid too, right? Well, like how many pay yeah. for a big interview like that? And you know what this has done? This, I think, now has raised a lot of that kind of question and others. And I'm not suggesting that Oprah did anything untoward to land the interview with Harry and Meghan. But I think there's probably people who are now wondering. I mean, it, these kind has, of things. She has that working deal with them, right? Where, uh, oh, is it, it's not for their podcast. But she she has some kind of a working connection with the two of them. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it just, it ra- I think it's going to raise questions or about a lot of interviews. You land the big interview. What did you do to get that? And mm-hmm. I think it's probably an unfair question in a lot of cases, but I think it's inevitable now. I, I think it's a Let good me- thing that people ask questions like that. Like Martin Bashir or about Martin Bashir? No, about, just about okay, how, yeah. <laughs> how, did this, how did this come? Why, why this interview now? What's, what's, you know, why... Why tell these things now? I, I, I always think that myself when I see an interview or, or somebody books an interview, I'm always like, why? What's the, what's the motive? 
Mm. It's a good question. It's always a good question. Anytime you watch Annette do an interview, say, what's the motive? What's Annette getting out of this? No, no, that's not. That's, <laughs> Annette's getting nothing out of it. She's just doing her job. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The uh, vice president of the International Olympic Committee, there's been lots of talk about the Tokyo Olympics, which are supposed to start on July the 23rd. And the IOC vice president in charge of these games announced today that the games are going to open even if Tokyo and other parts of Japan are under a state of emergency because of rising COVID cases when that happens. Right now, 2% of Japanese people have been fully vaccinated. Up to 80% of public opinion says they don't want the games there. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, is this absolute stubbornness or is this the fact that $26 billion has been spent and rising and at a certain point you go, we just can't cancel because it's just too much money to flush down the toilet? What's well, interesting because I thought that the host city could, or or the government of the host city could decide whether or not to cancel. They cannot. It's only the IOC that can make the decision to break the contract. I, I think. Well, you could. I mean, look in if it was really, really bad. Let's say COVID just completely exploded. I suppose that Tokyo or Japan could say we can't do it. But my understanding, as I think yours is, is they could be sued, they could be held liable, there could be all kinds of problems, and that $26 billion could become who knows how yeah. much. Uh, actually, I don't think they can. I, it, it says here, contract between the IOC and the host city is very straightforward. There's only one article regarding cancellation, and that it's only the IOC that has it. Well, there you go. So they will plunge in. You know, the, the, the thing about this that I find so stunning is the International Olympic Committee is a, as everyone knows, a multi-billion dollar corporation. I mean, the Olympics are a, a, a gold mine. I find this stunning because of the fact that if you push ahead, if you, if you had everybody in Japan saying, we don't want this, or most people in Japan saying, we don't want this, and you forced them to have it, and all of a sudden you have an outbreak in the athlete's village, or you have something go horribly wrong, this could be, I don't know if it would be the death knell, this could be horribly bad for the IOC down the road. You could mm-hmm. be doing permanent damage to your own organization because you're the one that insisted on doing this. Could they lose money? Ooh. Yeah, well, that rarely happens. But yeah. money, but even bigger than no, that. No, but I mean what, the, the committee itself, like the International Olympic Committee. Yeah. I, I know that often Olympic Games are, are money losers, but but still that 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 being that organization, right, still makes tons of money. But I, I, I really feel for the athletes. Yes, I do too. I do. Absolutely. I do. But be, just before we get to the athletes, because you talk about losing money, I think more problematic potentially to the IOC, if something bad were to happen mm-hmm. is yes, losing money would be bad. Losing the prestige losing of the money. Olympics, because this is the thing that everyone points to is the event. And if all of a sudden we look at this with a cynical eye, as we did back in the 80s when they got caught with all the buying of votes and everything else, um, you know, you, you, you damage your brand too much. You got real problems in anything. And the Olympics is no exception. Now, when they postponed it from last year, I, I'm curious, I wonder what the cases were like comparatively, like when it was, because it was set to go last year, correct? Yep. 
so I wonder what the cases in Japan were then compared to what they are now and what sentiment was like. I don't know. I think, I think last year it was more the potential of what could be that they were terrified of. And now maybe it's still the potential, but again, only 2% apparently of Japanese people are fully vaccinated. And now they're not having any international tourists anyway for the game. So that's not going to happen, but I don't know. I, I look at this and I think you are, my goodness, you better be pretty confident because if you are going to force Japan to hold these games and something goes haywire, you look like the evil, greedy, money-grubbing, whatever that guy from the Monopoly board game is, who's, you know, like it just, it, it's, you run the risk of really damaging your brand. And, and I don't, I don't know, but yes, you're right about the athletes. I mean, it's, it's terrible for the athletes. Now, now what happens, um, like if, if they're set, and, and I know uh, like a, a number of our, our people at work, a number of our crew members are going, are get, still getting set to go to the Olympics for broadcasting. And, but they, and they have to go and they have to, they have to go early and they have to quarantine. So is everyone who's competing, I assume that they're probably doing the same thing and quarantining, but can you imagine what's going to happen if an athlete, if an athlete contracts it there and, and some like, God forbid, like they die. That's, that's exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And could you imagine in the athlete's village, if A, there was a huge outbreak or B, an athlete died from COVID who got it at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, for the the IOC, that would be a disaster. And I don't want to say that one person's death is more tragic than another, but from a public relations standpoint, imagine now it was a star athlete, like a name brand athlete that everyone around the world knew. And that, you know, had pressure from sponsors to be there, would lose sponsorship if they didn't go and all this all training that stuff. And, the, and the cost of that. Yeah. All that stuff. It, you, you run the risk here. The IOC better be very, very, very sure and very careful because I really believe they run the risk and I'm terribly sad for the athletes, even as I say this, because I really do respect and understand the training and everything else they do. I feel terrible, but the IOC better be very sure they can make sure this is not going to turn into something bad because you, you run the risk of just really ruining the Olympics if this, mm-hmm. if this were to go sour. Now, Howard, like, I always like watching the Winter Olympics more than the Summer Olympics. Are, are you looking forward to actually watching the competitions? Yes, but I'll tell you something. I think I, even though I'm in sports, even though I work in sports a lot, um, I think I'm like a lot of other people. I don't really think about it all that much until the week that it starts. And then it's on every night and you're flipping channels on your TV and you are locked yeah. in now. And then if Canada then starts doing in. well, yeah, then you're in, then you're in. And so, yes, I'm excited. I will be very excited if, and when it starts and I'll be eager to watch it, but we'll see. We'll see. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring back in Annette Hom. She is the host co-host of CHCH Morning Live. She and Bob Cowan. I'm not going to like rub Bob right out of the picture altogether just because Annette's here, although, you know. <laughs> and and I, I want to take you back to the question you just asked. I'm really glad that you spelled noodlers because I was thinking N-U-D-E because <laughs> that would be yeah, a whole I don't know. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what they would catch with their bare hands and I don't want to know what they would catch <laughs> with their bare hands. Annette, let's dive into, I think, what is the important issue of our time right now. And that is this, uh, and I, in our neighborhood, we have a couple of these, one in particular, I know that there are 
are these existing all over the city? You, you have a neighbor who absolutely refuses to cut their grass, get rid of the dandelions. They've maybe some of them have decided that their, their lawn is a, uh, you know, a, a pollinator zone now or something, but their place looks like crap and all the pollen is blowing onto your lawn and feeding your lawn with seeds for future dandelions. What do you do with those people? Um, actually, we have a neighbor around the corner from us who's got a beautiful pollen garden. And it's it's not like a, a, a lawn that's been left to go, but it's it's they've planted it with all um, plants that attract butterflies and bees and insects and stuff. And it's beautiful. There, and, and, and I don't think you can get angry with with people for what they do with their lawns, because I, I sometimes look at a lawn that's, you know, maybe not looking perfect. And and I think maybe there's something going on in that house and, and they, you know, it's just the last thing they need to think about right now. You are a very understanding and kind and compassionate person who just made me look terrible, but that's okay because (laughs) I am, I am all for the pollinator idea, right? Because there is a difference and you've just pointed to it. And I think you're right. There is a difference between planting a pollinating garden, which has certain, like you can tell that there is a rhyme or reason to it, but there's also the garden, the grass that just is a disaster. And then you just make the excuse, well, it's for pollination. It's a pollinator garden. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, look, there could be things going on in that house, but there also might not be. And one of the ones in our neighborhood, I can tell you, um, there are lots of questions about what's going on in that house to begin with. And I don't mean in a sympathetic way of like, oh, what's going on there? Um, I, I, you know, the city has rules. The problem is who really wants to call the city and chirp on your neighbor and, you know, then you've just created a problem Yeah, because they know, they know, they, they always know. the city shows up. They know. I don't know what you're, you'd be okay though. If your neighbor, if you, I mean, if you'd put the effort and look, and once again, just to clarify, I'm not talking about perfect, right? My, my garden, my yard is far from perfect, but you'd be okay. If your neighbor decided from the beginning of May till now to never cut their grass and just let everything go haywire, you'd be okay. Well, I wouldn't, yeah, because it's, it, yeah, what business is it of mine? Well, the, uh, I, oh boy, you you really are making me look like I'm a cold hearted jerk. Uh, the same. You're thing, a well, lawn elitist, I think, Scott. I, maybe <laughs> I am. Maybe I am, but it's the same but reason why we I have. I wouldn't like it. And in the house, I'd complain about it, but, but hey, you know, you never know what's going on. But I think it's the same kind of reason why, you know, I don't think you're, I think by bylaw, you're not like allowed to park a Winnebago in your driveway, even though I know people do that. I think you could complain if you really wanted to complain to the city about your neighbor or, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can sound bylaws or, you know, whatever else. And I I don't think most people do. I mean, I know there's some who call the city. There are some busybodies who call the city on everything. I'm sure from that their neighbors do, but I don't know. I'm driving around and, and, and. I, I just feel terrible. Thankfully, it's not my neighbors, but I drive around and I think to the people who are next door, it's like, man, you know, like do something. Even if you can't do it, b- pay five bucks to a teenager to come and just cut your front grass. Oh, Maybe I'm just being old man now. I don't know. For five bucks. Wow. <laughs> All right, ten bucks. I don't know what. What if you're a teenager out there? Tell me what the going rate is. Maybe I'm just I, going I old man 20. syndrome. Twenty. <laughs> I, I, I would. I. 
I would hope that that's dependent on the size of your lawn, but, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, you know what, as I say, maybe I'm just cranky and getting old and, and I'm not, and I'm not even retired yet. Like I'm not even retired where I've got all the, my lawn. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, you know, like the retired guys and I hear it here, some of them anyway, who now have lots of time to go out and like gr- they carry the scissors around to make sure each, there's not a single piece of grass that's higher than the other. That's not, you cannot putt on my garden, on my grass, I, on my lawn. I assure you, it's not like that I, I kind think of you're thing, heading that way though, Scott. I could <laughs> I'm be. I'm going to find if, out if, where you live and see what your lawn looks like. In a few years, Annette, if you drive by my house and I am wearing shorts that are too short and knee-high black socks with sandals on <laughs> while I'm carrying a pair of scissors and growling at anyone who gets near my lawn, yes, you will. Um, th- then I will have achieved old manness. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, yes, I, I, I just I, I feel badly for the neighbors that have the neighbor beside them that just will not do anything with their lawn. All right. Going from the ugly, at least I think it is, to the beautiful, which it could be you this week and Bob and a cameraman, I know, because I saw stuff on social media. Uh, you guys went and did a tour. CHCH is moving to a new home and you guys got the tour of the, um, uh, well, the soon to be CHCA studios. What's that like? Oh, you know what? The new building. So we're not moving into it until now they're telling us but uh so yeah bob and i uh and our camera guy keith we went uh yesterday and it so we toured the new place up at clappison's it's amazing like it's just the studio is so big and and we have space to move around and we're going to have like a kitchen set and a and a bar set and and there's going to be a gym and a patio and it's just it's so cool wow wow you got to, first of all, let's clarify. You've got a bar set up for a show that you do at six in the morning. You're going to be doing your heavy drinking at the bar set up for morning live. Responsible. It's right in the meantime, the no, of- So next week is our very last week at our, our current location downtown. And then we're moving, they're calling it summer camp. We're moving to a temporary location for the summer. And your new the, the permanent place is right at the corner of five and six, right? Right across from the Wendy's. Yes. Yep, and okay. that's where our temporary place is as well. It's 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 kind of near that. It's in that same industrial park, but uh, but yeah, the the new place is is like the temporary home is. Uh, I went up there last week, and it I I was pleasantly surprised. Are you, um, now the spec, it's funny because the spec is also moving and I was just, I got a tour for the first time this week because I had to go up and get a computer worked on, uh, up on the Stony Creek mountain is where the spectators new building is on Pritchard, uh, Avenue, I think it's Avenue, Pritchard. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, maybe if you're driving uh, and we've just passed it today while I was going to get my ill-fated non-COVID shot. Um, if you're driving on the link and instead of turning down Red Hill Creek, you just continue on Mud Street it's immediately on your right beside the Leons. You can actually see the spectator sign now. That's where it is. You can see it on your side from the link. Um, and, you know, uh, it's really interesting because you guys have been downtown. CHCH, for those who don't know, it's really close to Hamilton City Hall, just set back a little ways. But mm-hmm. right downtown and right in the middle of everything, uh, the spec, everybody knows where the spec building is, right on the highway, close to the downtown. What are your thoughts about moving 
and not being right in the downtown. Because a lot of people say, oh, you, you, they, both the spec and CHCA should always be right in the downtown. What are your thoughts? Well, I, you know what? I, and had you said this 10 years ago, I would have agreed with you. But, and, and I know that we were looking at a spot downtown, at a number of spots downtown, but it, it was just, it was parking for our fleet because we have a number of, of news vehicles and it was, it, it was a number of issues. Um, but now I think with with everything virtual and so many things online, like you can be, you can do things. You don't have to be centrally located. Plus, it's not just Hamilton that we cover, right? It's Hamilton, Halton, Niagara. We're still, you know, within Hamilton where we're going to. And, and I think, yeah, now technology just kind of gives you that freedom to to go places. Yeah, I look, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, and I know that, you know, there's been criticism of both companies moving and I, I just don't, especially with what we've learned from COVID. And, you know, we've talked to someone on this show uh, who is a real estate agent who deals with cottage country. And we know what's happened with cottage country real estate because a lot of people from Southern Ontario have learned I can work from home. I'm doing my job from home. Well, if I can work mm-hmm. from my living room in downtown Toronto because it's online, I can work from a cottage in the Kawarthas the same way. And so why would I not want to do that? And, uh, you know, because of their remote abilities now, uh, again, I don't see any problem with it. And, and you know, the, the, the Specs new building is is pretty darn cool. It's not even done yet, the, the inside, but it's pretty cool. And, and I saw your pictures and, you know, it, it looks like there's enormous potential for that CHCH studio as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really excited for it. Is everybody... Or, or, yeah. or, I mean, yeah. like, is there great excitement within the ranks at CHCH about the move? Yes. And, and it's funny because, I mean, I've worked in that building for 35 years now and, and, you know, people are asking me like, you know, aren't you going to be sad to leave this building? And I'm like, no, not, not at all. Because it's not the building that holds great memories. It's, it's the people I work with. And the stories I've done and, and things that have happened, but not, not the building itself. You started there 35 years ago. You started when you were two, huh? That's amazing. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah you, they my, got, they got... you know what? My, my 35th anniversary was uh, this past Monday. Wow. Well, uh, congratulations on that. That's hey. amazing. That's, um, that is, uh, that will be exciting. I'm, um, one of these days we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward. Now I, I, I must admit, I did not see morning live yesterday or today, did you do something on the show about it or is that coming up? No, or we're going to be, be doing some it? segments next week and we're going to, um, on Friday, I think it is, we have a segment plan where we're going to show viewers some really, really old photos of, of when our current location um, was was built and when the, when the station first went on air and just, you know, it, it, it's kind of cool to see how technology changed and it, yeah, it's, so we've got some neat things in store this coming week. I am always amazed, and maybe I shouldn't be, I am always amazed at the fascination with the old pictures of Hamilton, whether it's CHCH or whether it's just pictures from the city of Hamilton. I, You know, people say sometimes, I'm not interested in history, I don't like history, but you show them old pictures of the city of places that are now familiar, but once upon a time, and that could be CHCH or that could be somewhere else. There's immense interest in those things, and I'm always surprised when, just by how much there is. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the photos are really, really cool. 
Well, yeah, the photos are really cool. And then of course you get some of the people who CHCH has called employees over the years who, you know, uh, it is amazing to me. One of the, one of the things that I've talked to him this week, and I, I should say, um, Bubba O'Neill, cause people are always asking and, uh, you know, you can, you can offer something here, but I talked to Bubba this week and he is on the road to recovery and, and doing better for sure. He's been, he had a, a go with COVID and he's, he's doing much better, but the outpouring for Bubba when people found out that he had been sick was unbelievable. There, there is something really connective with people who have been on that station and people in the city. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting back to our initial conversation at the beginning of the show. It's the connection with COVID too, right? It's like, Oh, like he can get it. And, and, and then if, if you don't have anybody around you who's contracted COVID or, or, you know, then it's like, Oh, well now, you know, through viewer, you know, somebody. Yeah, it's um, it'll be good. I, I I'm looking forward to. Uh, I will be setting my uh, my PVR to be able to watch next week to get a, a a glimpse inside the new place because I've driven by it a bunch of times and and uh, it sounds like it is now close to reality, as you say, September. So we we look forward to that one. And and one day I want a tour of Annette's corner office on the fifth floor, looking over all of Hamilton with your all glass windows and your hot tub and massage table that's there, and maybe the oh, you know man. the personal oh, you buffet. You saw my rider, did you? I did. Yeah. You, you and, uh, you and Brittany Spears have the same rider and share. It's the, uh, the 68 page rider that I, I, I need to have little sandwiches with no crust delivered by men with no shirts who are oiled down and on and on. And I know the whole thing. I get it. I get, well, I don't get it. I don't have that one in my rider. My rider is just, please keep me employed. <laughs> yes. Please keep me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All, all I ask for is you know, a paycheck and maybe not having to work 22 hours a day. Other than that, just whatever. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Annette Holm, we always love having you on. Thanks for doing this today. Have a great, great long weekend. It's supposed to be fantastic. And uh, you can go now and start planning what you mentioned, your trip to Disney in the fall, which um, fingers crossed, touching wood, hopefully that happens. Fingers crossed, yeah. Thank you very much, Scott, for asking me. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.